Good morning. My name is Dwayne. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries, a ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Uh, today we're going to return to the book of Acts, uh, chapter number 14, verses 20 through 22, just to back up, get a little bit of context, and then we'll see how far we get today. Acts chapter number 14, verse number 19. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Albeit, as the disciples stood around about him and rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed, <coughs> excuse me, with Bar <coughs> excuse me, with Barnabas to Derby. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we much through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And that's where we, we parked yesterday for a little while. And the question that was posed is, why did Paul say that we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God? Well, I mean, I've looked at that, and there's three possible answers. Um, number one, I mean, obvious, he meant exactly what he said, and um, he was talking to Jew and Gentile, both kingdom believer and grace believer, and, um, and that it is applicable to both. Or, I submit two other reasons. Um, number one, um, he had not as yet received the revelation in regards to God's complete plan for the body of Christ. In other words, he had not received the entire revelation in regards to the rapture at this point. Um, so, again, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, if you look at the scripture there, he is referring to the future physical fraternal kingdom that had been promised to the Jews. Um, one teacher put it this way, since the revelation of the mystery concerning the rapture of the church had not as yet been revealed to Paul, the Jewish believers were still expecting the kingdom to come at any moment. And of course he says here, we, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. And, of course, we know God's prophetic plan. Um, the Messiah would come. They would crucify him. He'd raise again. The, the kingdom was offered. Had they accepted the offer of the kingdom, we would have entered into the tribulation, which would have culminated with the second coming and the establishment of the kingdom of God. Um, so, so the first uh, of two possible reasons is he just did not know anything about the rapture at this point. The other possible reason is the pronouns. Um, as we we'll, as we discussed this yesterday, and if you want to watch, you can you can back up and watch that study. Uh, he says we here, and then he goes to them. So if you look at that we. Um, is he might have been referring to Jews in this statement. I mean, back up in verse number 19, and there came thither certain Jews from Antioch 
So he seems to be talking about the Jews. And of course, the Jews were still looking for the tribulation and the kingdom of God. Um, and then in verse 23, and when they had ordained them elders in every church, that's obviously referring to the body of Christ. Um, I don't think that's referring to the kingdom church. And had prayed with fasting, they com- they commend- commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. So, therefore, the we could be referring to the kingdom believers only in that statement. Again, because in verse number 23, he goes back to they and them. Um, and Paul was addressing both grace believers and kingdom believers at the same time in the same place. And he could have been alternating between we and them. Uh, so, two possible reasons as to why Paul would have made that statement, we through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. Either he just did not understand or had not received the revelation of the entire mystery in regards to the rapture, or he's talking to his Jewish brethren, and he's not talking to the grace believers since they were uh, there at the same time. I personally think either one of them is plausible, um, but I don't think, um, uh, I think it has to be one of those two, uh, in regards to why Paul said what he said. Um, I think more to the point, if I had to, at least the way I put it all together, I think Paul had received the revelation of the ministry. He knew that there was a gospel of grace, but I don't think he probably, I don't think he totally understand the postponement of the kingdom. Um, I think the gospel of the kingdom, he was simply told to go to the Jews with, or not to the Jews, but to the Gentiles with the gospel of grace. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he totally understood (coughs) that the kingdom was officially off the table. Uh, So anyway, that's just my opinion. You're welcome to study it for yourself and come to your own conclusions there. Um, And then notice verse 23, And when they had ordained them elders in every city and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they had believed. Um, So again, we talked a little bit about uh, church leadership today. Uh, Some people will point to this verse and say, see, this is proof that there should be a plurality of elders in the church. But the verse could be translated either way. It could be they they ordained one elder in every church, more than one, obviously, uh, more than one church. So they ordained elders in every church, one per church. Um, Or some would say, no, that's proof there's a plurality of elders in each of the churches. Um, I think a pretty good argument for a plurality of elders is 1 Timothy 5.17, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Obviously, that makes room for elders who do not labor in the word and doctrine. Um, And then two, and we went over this the other day, uh, elder, uh, when he told Timothy the qualifications of elders and deacons, he never used elders in the plural sense. Uh, he always used singular, but he did use deacons in the plural, which those who feel there's only one elder in the church, but there can be multiple deacons will point to that. So again, a lot of it just depends on you know <clears throat> how you 
you translate that, how you read that. Um, so look at verse number 24. And after they had passed throughout Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga and went on down to Atalia, and thence to Antioch, from whence they had recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done to them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles and their abode, and there they abode long time with the disciples. Now here we see a precedent that many uh, churches will point to um, that missionaries are sent out by churches and therefore missionaries are accountable to their sending churches. And that becomes particularly relevant in the day of parachurch organizations. And there's a lot of parachurch organizations that send out missionaries. And there are some, when you take a good uh, missiology class, will say that it is not the job or the responsibility of parachurch organizations be, to be sending out missionaries. They need to be sent out by their church, and they need to be accountable to their church, because obviously we see that that's what's happening here. Paul and Barnabas were sent out by the church in Antioch. They returned to the church at Antioch and gave a report to the church at Antioch. Um, I personally lean that way. The organization that I currently work for, uh, we hire teachers, but they are sent out by their home churches for accountability purposes. Uh, we, as a, quote, parachurch organization, do not send them out. They have to be sent out by their home church. We just accommodate them, and they're working with us as they go out as missionaries, but they're still sent out by their home churches. So I I tend to agree that missionaries need to be sent out by fellowships, by churches, not by parachurch organizations. And I think the uh, the precedent for that can be seen here with Paul and Barnabas here. <clears throat> and then notice they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to Gentiles. So they were coming back to their sending church and they were rehearsing, sharing with them everything that God had done. Now, my first thought is why was this such news-breaking information if Pentecost was the birth of the body of Christ? If Gentiles had been being saved since day one, why 15 years later are they enthusiastically sharing that the door of faith has been opened to the Gentiles. I mean, obviously, this was a new bit of information, or it wouldn't <laughs> it wouldn't have been such big news. Um, so they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Why? Because it didn't happen at Pentecost, uh, because it did happen after the gospel of grace was revealed to the Apostle Paul. And, uh, of course, he went up preaching to those churches in Asia Minor. So it was big news because it was new. Um, another argument, in my opinion, against uh, the birth of the body of Christ in Acts chapter number 2. Now, chapter number 15, we're going to do just a little bit of uh, an intro here. 
the dating of this chapter is around 48-50 AD, which would have been about 15 years after Pentecost. And bear in mind that Paul had just proclaimed the gospel of the grace, the gospel of grace for the first time at Antioch in Pisidia. Before the Jews stirred up the people, stirred the people up, and they fled to Iconium and Lystra, where he was stoned. Now he returns to Antioch in Syria to report to their sending church all that God had done among the Gentiles by opening the door of faith to them. Now, Paul, <clears throat> you can't really understand Acts chapter number 15 without understanding or following along with Galatians chapter 2. Because in Galatians chapter number 2, Paul gives a behind-the-scenes of what actually happened. In Galatians 15, 1, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. You have to go back and forth. You see here Galatians 2, 4, Galatians 2, 2, because the entire event is also told here in Galatians 2, 1 through 14. So what I want to do is I just want to kind of read through this, and then we're going to flip back over to Acts chapter number 15, and then go back and forth between the two. In Acts chapter number 14, or, or Galatians chapter number 2, verse number 1, Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and I took Titus with me also. Now, we know that... Um, that this this is the account of him going from the churches in Asia Minor, going back to Antioch, and then going back into Jerusalem 14 years ago. And this is referring, timeline-wise, to this visit to Jerusalem here in Acts chapter number 15. So he's just recounting the story to the Galatians. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles. But privately to them which were reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. So he's telling the Galatians exactly what he happened, what had happened. He went back to Jerusalem, he went back by revelation, and he communicated to the people in Jerusalem, the church at Jerusalem, the elders, the apostles at Jerusalem. That gospel, which I preach among the Gentiles, obviously that gospel is set apart from the gospel that they were teaching, or this wouldn't be big news, okay? <clears throat> and he says, but privately to them, which were reputation. In other words, he wanted to make sure that everybody was on the page in regards to what God had revealed to him. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. The whole argument here. You see here in, uh, in Acts chapter 15, verse number 1, was an issue with circumcision. Uh, they were people, and we're going to find out that these were Pharisees. Uh, they were believing Pharisees, which means they were kingdom, gospel-believing Pharisees who believed that you should be circumcised. <clears throat> and that because of false brethren, unawares brought in, who came in privately despite our liberty, which we had in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. And again, there were the false brethren that we've been talking about in chapter number 14, the ones that followed them from Iconia to Lystra to Antioch of Syria and finally got him stoned. They constantly contradicted and blasphemed the Apostle Paul. Okay, 
So you got these false brethren who are trying to take away liberty. You've got these believing Pharisees, and we're going to see these guys um, down in, um, uh, let's see, uh, there they are. See there in verse number five of Galatians, of uh, of Acts 15, but there rose up certain sect of the Pharisees which believed. So obviously we are dealing with false brethren who didn't believe any of the Gospels that was simply wanting to contradict and blaspheme the Apostle Paul, and we're dealing with real brothers that were kingdom believers that disagreed in regards to the keeping of the Mosaic law in regards to circumcision. So here in Galatians chapter number two, he's kind of clumping them together here, and he says, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever thou art maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person, for they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. He's talking about the apostles, okay? And he's saying they didn't give anything to me. They didn't add anything to me. Everything that I had received, I had received from God himself. And, of course, he's referring to the revelation of the mystery. He's saying they didn't add anything to that. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed to me as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. So obviously, my dear naysayers, <laughs> there was a difference between the gospel of the circumcision that was committed to him and the gospel of the circumcision that was committed to Peter. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty toward me. So it was the same God working through Peter, working through Paul. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go into the heathen and they into the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I was forward, uh, was forward to do. So, again, Paul <clears throat> reiterates what's happening here in chapter number 15 in Galatians chapter number 2. And we're going to find ourselves flipping back and forth between the two. So notice, and certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, these certain men, and I'm differentiating between these men and the believing Pharisees, these men here in verse number 15, he says, and certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. I believe these are referring to those false brethren that he talks about in Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 4. And naturally, they were teaching the observance of the law for salvation. This was obviously in opposition to the new gospel that Paul was preaching. And then notice in verse number 2, when, therefore, Paul and Barnabas had noticed small, small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go to Jerusalem. And, of course, that's where the believing Jews were. They should go to Jerusalem uh, unto the apostles and the elders about this question. 
So here it says that they went to Jerusalem at the determination of the assembly in Antioch. Antioch said, you guys need to go down there and get this thing clarified. But now Galatians 2.2 says, I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel. Well, I mean, that revelation could have been revealed to Paul and confirmed by the church of Antioch, and they both agreed that he should go down there. Um, the issue is the wording of the King James here as compared to other translations. That means that, yes, the church of Antioch did send him, but the subject was to be the revelation of the mystery. So this is what I'm talking about. Notice what I'm saying here, because it looks like a contradiction. Nothing like ending a Bible study on a contradiction. In Galatians 2.2, he says, I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel. Here, he says that the church at Antioch uh, told him he should go, that he's sent out um, by the church at Antioch, that they should go to Jerusalem and to the apostles and the elders with this question. But if you look in some of the other translations uh, where it says here, let's see, wherefore, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had noticed small dissents and disputation with them, they determined. They who? Okay, the, the church uh, determined that, that, that Barnabas and Paul and certain others should go to Jerusalem. Now, the NIV, which I'm not the biggest fan of the NIV, but the way it says it is, this brought Paul and Barnabas under sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about this question, and the church sent them on their way as they traveled. Okay, so obviously the church did send them to Jerusalem. But then again, Galatians 2.2, Paul says... I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preach. So what I'm saying here is the wording is that the revelation does not mean the revelation to Paul was, you need to go to Jerusalem and clarify this. The revelation is referring to the mystery. So the, the rendering should be, <clears throat> the church told me that I need to go down and share this mystery with the apostles in Jerusalem, okay? Because if you look between here in Galatians 2.2 and King James, and I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel. So that makes it seem like Paul was told by revelation to go to Jerusalem to share the gospel of the mystery with them or what God was doing. But the NIV says... I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. So just subtlety in the translation. Paul was sent by the church at Antioch, and the purpose was to share the revelation with the church in Jerusalem about the gospel, the mystery of the, the, the grace gospel, if that makes sense. I hope that makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> so that means, yes, the church at Antioch did send him, but the subject was to be the revelation of the mystery. And, of course, this will be the first time that he is sharing the mystery with the Twelve. The question, well, notice he says here, 
uh, in the verse, he says, and certain other of them should go to Jerusalem and the apostles about this question. What is this question? The necessity of law for salvation. That was the question. Now, of course, Paul's already made it very clear. And back in uh, chapter number 13, uh, let me show you what I'm talking about. In chapter uh, 13, verse number 38 and 39. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything that you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So he's wanting to make sure that the apostles in Jerusalem understand that the gospel of grace did not require keeping of the law. So anyway, just a little bit of a different, you know, just making sure that we understand there's no contradiction there. It's just the way that the verse is translated. They were sent by the church of Antioch to discuss the revelation to the church in Jerusalem. And then tomorrow we'll get into verse number three. So, well, God bless you guys. I hope that was clear as mud for you. Um, hope you're enjoying this study um, as we're working our way through the book of Acts. I certainly am. I'm on my toes. I'm probably studying the Bible harder than I've ever studied it um, in many years. Um, uh, so I, I hope you're enjoying the journey as well. God bless you guys. Have a great day, and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow.